0: People who wouldn't understand. Genocide, the method of systematic extermination of a people. Think of the historical precedent. Oh, I I fully understand your author's pride. But from a practical point of view. This little mixture of mine is as lethal as cyanide. And as selective as a lady buying perfume. You'll just work on the. Black folks. Leave the rest of us alone? You better be damn sure. Just like sickle cell anemia, Mr. Father. And like sickle cell anemia, it will not affect people of the Caucasian race. Have my personal guarantee. How fast does this stuff work? 72 hours at the most. God seven days to create the world we can cleanse it just three you're traveling to another radio show a broadcast not only of sight and sound but of mind mind a journey into the wondrous land Whose boundaries are that of the imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio, with your guides Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the Uncanny Daryl D. Mind expansion, engage.
1: Good evening and good evening once again Your stalwart co-host Host and co-host Are live and direct Hopefully for the duration During this COVID crisis Yes, it's d A.K.A. the Afro-Nerd And of course Captain Kirk in tow um, Hopefully the Uncanny Because the Uncanny is one of those essential people That you often hear about in In the news That uh you know his his schedule schedule was screwy to begin with, but now, because of this current pandemic, uh his services are sorely needed so if he has time to kind of come out from out of the mask, well actually you know keep the mask on, maybe he'll be able to enlighten us with his blurtic knowledge anyway, This is the midweek review edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk for the duration we're still in the midst, believe it or not, of trying to make moves to this other format i'm supposed to be doing some testing this weekend so we'll see how it works with different equipment and so forth um your you know your wishes are command so um many folks were kind of uh i I guess perturbed by our technical difficulties as so as are we and it's just time so just bear with us anyway folks for the duration definitely call in 646-915-9620 again, 646-915-9620. So talk about COVID again, maybe a different spit on it. Um, We're also going to try to address some pop culture news. You know, pop culture more or less, to be honest with you, has been put on a hold except for the stuff that's streaming. So, you know, if there's there's ever a reason – to double down on all these streaming services. This this goes even beyond cable. What's cable? What is cable nowadays? Now everything everything's about streaming. I mean, squarely about streaming. So, um, you know, we're going to still address what we can, what's going on in, in pop culture. But uh, again, for the like up upteenth time, we're probably going to discuss more COVID pandemic crises, war stories. I know I got a couple as I traverse around this, this terrain, you know, when you, when you make comparisons between night of the night of the living dead or the walking dead, you know, that, that, that stuff (laughs) is coming to, to real time. Now it really is folks. And I have some stories about how people like the real up close functionality of human nature, like just what human people are about. Many of us who call who are considered humans, um, it's it's not that great how people really get down when it comes down to an absolute crisis like this. So anyway, um, you might have heard we had a couple of of iconic passings: Earl Graves Sr., who is a noted publisher and uh, more specifically founder of Black Enterprise. Passes at the age of 85 I believe he had Alzheimer's There was no mentioning of any kind of COVID situation Uh, Also with uh, Equally iconic Rhythm and blues soul singer Musician Bill Withers He too passed on I believe he had heart issues Um, Just two people Again that the culture You know when when you hear some of the um, Some of the millennials And I I don't want to take a, a dump On the millennials it's very hard not to, but anyway, uh, you know when they say things like, well, doing it for the culture, doing it for the culture, or sacrifice for the culture. So these two folks, these two people, iconic gentlemen, they really were about ha- having, uh, producing something substantive for black culture. For, for culture in general, in the macro, they were very substantive. What they were able to what they produced was substantive um, and uh, they will be missed and you're not going to really be able to replicate what they what they provided I mean they're there what we see what they what they've accomplished is for the for for the archives they are for the archives but as far as someone trying to replicate a Earl Graves or a Bill withers I don't think that's going to happen I'm just saying it anyway let's go to To one, I'm going to play a couple of Bill Withers tunes. Actually, Bill Withers was a beast when it comes down to true art and musicianship. Uh, It's it's something about when someone passes that it seems like we our senses become more acute to what they really were about. I mean, I've I've listened to Bill Withers music ever since I was a kid. Uh, The Oracle played Bill Withers in the house. Quite frequently, it wasn't uncommon to Listen to Bill Withers songs And I listened to it Passively Now that he is gone And I listen to Bill Withers Even as an adult, intermittently But now you listen to the gentleman with a different ear Anyway I I leave it up to our audience This is Bill Withers, I'm not playing like the, the known Lean on me stuff This is more obscure stuff Just for the musicianship This is Bill Withers And the Crusaders, another stellar jazz group, Soul Shadows, Soul Shadows. Let's groove right back. No so my- A difficult one to pull out the phaser on, folks I'm going to be honest with you Once again, the mighty and iconic Bill Withers is no longer in the building But we have his archives We do have his archives That was Bill Withers featuring the Crusaders One of my favorite groups growing up Soul Shadows Soul Shadows We'll be playing more Bill Withers music intermittently Throughout this shortened broadcast Anyway, enough of me blathering and blistering I am your host, D-Bert, back at it again COVID Chronicles (laughs) Part 5. Captain, let's just get it in, gentlemen. Uh, Let's get it in. Let's just get to it. No diatribe, Captain, or you want to just go get right to it? No,
2: I was going to do a diatribe, but I'm going to wait two weeks. I got something to say that's rather interesting with this COVID. In about two weeks, but not now. I'm going to wait. I'm still watching it.
1: Well, you know, off the jump, Captain, I don't know how many people have noticed this. I I noticed this right away. Um, COVID, as a term, has upended Trump as a term, as a spoken word. I, so, as much, either it's Trump or it's a disease. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Like, you know, uh, for someone who's kind of a news junkie, I've noticed that j- just Trump, ha- Trump has, has to go down in history as the most spoken-about president there ever was, even more so than the first black president. Like, it's just constant Trump, 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 Trump. Now, you hear less of someone e- e- emoting, pardon me, emoting uh, or enunciating Trump, and now it's COVID, 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 or coronavirus. So it, it takes a pandemic to you, for a person, for the media, not to actually say Trump, in quotes. I find that very uh, almost biblical. That's one thing. I, I'll just say that from, just from the jump. I just noticed that. Uh, something else. As much as uh, many black folk, including myself, would like to think of ourselves as being superhuman. And I read comic books, so that's, I have an excuse. The whole notion of this melanin thing that was maybe a month and a half ago when black folk had this weird thing going on about, well, we are seeing more white faces, Coming down with this disorder, disease, and we don't really see any black people with it. Now, the metrics are, say, are showing something different. So, I'm going to play a clip. I'm gonna, I see some folks are, are already I'll online, and that. we'll bring I'll them
2: in. I'll bounce that out for you in a minute. But
1: well, go ahead. Um, yeah. So, what I wanted to do again is, you know, we're hearing now that the, that the the numbers are, are, be, are being run. And it's not looking too great for people of color. Black and brown folk are over-indexing with having this coronavirus. So I'm going to play this clip from CNN, and then we're going to just wax about it. But it's, not, it's, it's just not panning out the way that I think many black folk thought. So anyway, uh, I'm going to play a couple of minutes of this CNN clip, and then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it. Hold on.
3: Coronavirus is infecting and killing black Americans in the United States at a disproportionately high rate blacks account for about 70 percent of deaths in Louisiana 41 percent in Michigan 42 percent in Illinois way way outpacing their place in the population right now Um, joining us now to talk about this and talk about their efforts to fight this W Kamau Bell the host of CNN's United Shades of America. And Pastor Mike McBride, Civil Rights Leader and Pastor of the Way Church. Kamau, my friend, it is wonderful to see you, but I'm not going to start with you. I'm going to start with Pastor Mike as he outranks both of us, particularly on Holy Week. Uh, Pastor Mike, tell me about Masks for the People, which is this movement that you are now leading along with Kamau.
4: Well, it's great to be here with you this morning. Masks for the People is a humanitarian effort, and, and this is how we really believe it's important to shift our language, we keep hearing we're at war. Uh, if we use the language of war, then we, we're more prone to to be comfortable with violence. We're more prone to be comfortable uh, with exploitation and profiteering and, and, and make enemies. But humanitarian language means that we must have a sense of radical generosity, radical solidarity, radical hospitality. So Mass for the People is the effort to make sure that Our loved ones in uh, urban neighborhoods, in uh, rural communities, black folks, brown folks who are essential workers but have not been treated as uh, worthy citizens uh, by having access to PPE, to masks, and to hand sanitizer, uh, to testing, and and to to other kinds of ways to protect them as they do their frontline work. We're trying to raise a million dollars to get that work, that stuff To those who are on the front lines, we love our hospital workers, but there are other folks as well on the outside doing essential work. the people is about raising the resources, charity work, since we can't depend on our government to do it and get that stuff on the ground as fast as we possibly can. And it's great to be able to work with W. Kamau and Steve Kerr and a whole bunch of other folks to make that happen.
3: So, Kamau, when we look at the statistics They should be shocking to people in the sense that there is no part of the population that should suffer so disproportionately in a pandemic like this. So, yes, they should be upsetting, but they shouldn't be surprising, should they?
5: No, I mean, the the reason why they're not... It's upsetting most people because most people have ignored the impacts of racism and structural institutional racism on the black community since the dawn of this country. So there's lots of upsetting statistics that come out of the black and brown communities, specifically the black community. But people don't tend to care. People, they, you know, there's a narrative in this country that whatever's happening to black folks is black folks' fault, which is clearly not true. Institutional and structural racism is, is dragging down black folks, which we talk about in the United States all the time. And this a crisis like this just makes it worse.
3: Um, what was the reaction, or what has the reaction been come out to the effort to get masks, as many masks as you can, and to get people to wear them?
5: Well, you know, I think people are very aware overall that they can't trust the federal government to tell them what's going on. They can't trust Donald Trump. They can't trust the press conferences. We can't even trust the black Surgeon General to tell us what's going on. So the thing about this benefit is that we're relying on activists and leaders who are already in the black community, people who the people in the community already trust. So that has been a, it's been a very positive reaction. The hard part right now is that most people in those communities don't have money to donate to this cause. So we have to reach outside of this community to find people to donate to the cause.
3: And, Pastor Mike, one of the things we've heard is that African-Americans underserved by the health care system in this country, African-Americans also disproportionately on the front lines of many of these lines of work now considered essential businesses, whether it be um, in public works, whether it be bus drivers. We know that awful story of the bus driver in Detroit. African-Americans are still out there working and putting themselves at higher risk.
4: Absolutely. And, and we can't forget that there is also uh, this this challenge. It's a moral challenge that we're facing right now because we have our loved ones who are incarcerated um, in prisons and they are being left to die. We're hearing some of the most horrific stories of, of, of uh, individuals in prison, they don't have access to masks, they don't have access to sanitizer, uh, and there are conversations being had that are actually saying we're going to write these folks off in a pandemic no life is disposable, and we are doing ourselves a huge, huge disservice if we begin to decide whose life is worthy. It, it helps us uh, to, to realize, even in our mass for the people, that the problem is not just race, it's racism. It is the disproportionate impact that is a result of political decisions made by the powerful, shutting down hospitals in the rural South because governors would not accept Obamacare, Uh, not having the kind of uh, resources, corporate uh, resources being made available to our essential workers on the front line, deciding that prisoners or those who are incarcerated are not worthy to have life-saving materials to slow down this virus. It is uh, unconscionable, and it is our responsibility to not only lift up this challenge, but to do something to change the material conditions until the federal government and our Uh, nurses and doctors can catch up with the impact of this virus
3: the effort is called masks for the people you can see it on kamau's twitter feed and the hashtag there uh you know donate if you can pastor mike kamau it's terrific seeing you be well
5: thank you
1: all right again uh that clip was courtesy of cnn all right captain any thoughts about what was just stated and then we'll bring in some of the callers
2: yeah, this is this is what you gotta understand. This is a scam with this virus. Rule of thumb when it comes to any type of infectious disease or bacteria, here's the rule. Here's the scientific evidence. It needs sugar and an acidic environment, and it grows like crazy. Let me say that again. It needs sugar and an acidic environment, and it grows like crazy. When people eat a more alkaline diet, you can look that up and see what that is, and take away the sugar, it's very hard. Some people will say it will not at all, but I'll just go very hard. Very hard for the bacteria, very hard for the virus, it's very hard for cancer to even grow. Now, what we have learned over the years, and most of you have experienced this, you know somebody who went to the doctor when they were, like, 50. Doctor told them, you got six months to live or a year to live. And they did something radical. Started doing a little exercise, and they changed their diet incredibly. They lived for 10 years. They don't. They, they still die. They live for 10 years. It's better than a year, right? And if they had got to the doctor five years sooner, they would have probably lived a normal life. So, one of the reasons why this virus is so bad, well, really, in, in, in the, in the uh, magnitude of how things really kill people, like pneumonia is worse, TB is bad, not really that bad. But one of the reasons why it's so bad is because Americans eat like feces. You have a sugary diet, you have an acidic diet. If virus hits you, it suppresses your immune system. People say, well, if you eat an alkaline diet and low sugar, you have an advanced immune system. No, you don't. You've got a regular immune system. You're a regular human. You have a regular immune system. So a lot of people are walking around with irregular immune systems. They ain't going to make it. Now, when it comes to rich people versus black people, they always say rich people eat better, rich people are in better shape. So we could bring that back a little bit more. White people versus black people. Look at the foods you black people eat versus a lot of white people. White people have a tendency to make more money than you as the black person. So it's going to hit the blacks a little bit harder because you're eating more of acidic foods, more sugary foods. A lot of black people, a lot of white people, at least the ones I've worked with, they're following diets. They're eating their vegetables. I see what they eat at lunch versus what a lot of times what a lot of the black counterparts are eating. Even though the, the black part, counterparts, some of it is cultural. Even though they're making more money, they're eating these foods. All right? They're eating these foods. So some of it is a cultural component. It's not just money. But the tendency, as your money gets better, you're going to eat better. That's just, that's just what happens when it comes to that. So a lot of you blacks, not maybe necessarily Apple nerd listeners, you're not eating well. America itself, you have a sugary diet, all right? So when you have this sugary diet that's very acidic, any disease, anyone, pick any of them, going to grow better in that environment. And according to science, they say, which I don't totally believe, but I believe some of it, cancer cannot grow at all in low sugar and alkaline diets. Uh, these other diseases can't grow at all in a low sugar and alkaline diet. I have a tendency to believe it's not going to grow well. It slows it down, where at least your immune system can fight it off. All right, that's what I think. But the research does say that it doesn't grow at all. You know what I'm saying? So when you see with that, with black people, what are you eating on a day-to-day basis? Black people have a tendency to be poorer than the white people. So with COVID, they're going to get hit harder. Also now, if you look at diabetes, why are these diabetics die? They got a sugar problem. That's what diabetes is, isn't it? They got a sugar problem. That's what diabetes is. They got a sugar problem. They don't tell you straight up. They don't tell you. That's the problem. You're not handling sugar well. So the COVID hits the diabetic. He needs their insulin. He needs this. He has those gaps in there where his sugar levels may be high. The virus grabs a hold of that type of person. Now, some diabetics do shake it off. Probably the ones that handle their diabetes better. But maybe another half of it won't handle it very well. But diabetics, you have a sugar problem. You understand? It's right there. Sugar, diabetes. Sugar, diabetes. Diabetics, are dying at a higher rate than normal people. Hmm. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? So America, with their diets, are not good. Now probably if America really had what we call the alkaline diets and low sugar, this virus probably came and gone in two weeks and been out of here with most of you. We didn't know anything about it. Well, the reason why you know about it is because they wanted you to know. Because in 2018, 80,000 people died of the flu. You never knew. They didn't want you to know that. They wanted you to know for some reason That this is happening Because the truth is you could have been going to work On a regular basis and don't know anything If 300,000 people die 400,000 people die And they don't want you to know about it You wouldn't have known about it Because look how you get your facts MSNBC, Fox News, CNN, and Wikipedia Unless you're going to be a researcher Which you don't do For some reason they wanted you to know about it But that's a whole other story We'll wait on that but that's the reason. That's, a, that's the reason for the disparity between the blacks and uh, the whites. What they need to do is a, a story, show you if you are a high-income black, someone making over 100000 a year, are you getting caught with this? Because, first of all, you're making more than 100000 a year, you ain't going to no Elmhurst Hospital or the low-end hospital. You go to a better hospital. I don't even go to Elmhurst. I go to a very good hospital. So, so that study needs to be done. A lot of studies that need to be done That needs to be done Because I know when you want open heart surgery If you're making the money If you're upper echelon You go to the best doctor You don't go to the bargain basement doctor You don't go to the guy that got 70 And he became a doctor You go to the guy that got 95 That's just how money works Back over to you Afrener all right, um, let, let's go to our callers, our stalwart
1: supporters, as always. Uh, I see that uh, Mr. Mims is online. I see that uh, QStorm is online. Let's go to QStorm, and then we'll bring in Sergio uh, after him. QStorm, Red Shirts podcast, Prince podcast affiliate. What's up?
6: Hey. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, I wanted to go back to, you know, uh, so, you know, I feel like I call in too much and I monopolize too much of the time. So I try to call it only when something strikes me. And you're, you're, the clip you aired, the the pastor guy, I forget it, Pastor Mike. He said something that I think is important. He said, and "I'm a, I'm a try not to get emotional over this, but it does strike me. It it it, it affects. It hits me." Uh, he said that you know we we uh, salute our healthcare workers. and I do. Uh, I have a cousin down in North Carolina who is a an RN. She she's transitioned over into private health care. So she's not dealing in a hospital or an ER or uh, ER. But he also, but there's an unsung group. I haven't heard people talk about him. And that is our mailmen. And the guy that I grew up with, he's a mailman back in Indianapolis where I grew up. And he's telling me that basically people are treating him as though he's expendable. He, you know, he delivers along a residential route, not a commercial route, but a residential route. And people, Y'all, him, where's my mail at? And, you know, I need my mail. And he says, oh, Can you give me six feet? They'll just come up and approach him, just looking, give me my mail, right? And I asked him, well, Are they giving you masks? And he said, No, I'm, we haven't got any masks. As a matter of fact, someone got sick in the downtown branch where I go occasionally, and no one reported it. No, none of the supervisors said that someone had COVID. They haven't cleaned it out. Now, I don't know if they've cleaned it out since. So I sent I sent my brother two masks federal express so he can have them tomorrow morning. But that really pissed me off. So between that and, you know, my 80 year old mother who's in a uh, care facility right now or living in a care facility, you know, I, I really, I, I don't know what to say. I, I mean, we need to salute not only the healthcare workers, but the bus drivers, like the brother who died a week after complaining about it on uh, Instagram and our, our postal workers, the people at the grocery stores, you know, they're the people who are the the front line right now. So, I, I just want to salute all of them. That's really all I had to say.
1: Uh, well, first, um, Keystone, I'm, I'm appreciative of what you just said. I mean, as far as you know, I, I'm I'm with you, and my thoughts are with you and your you and your people and family because this is a very difficult time, um, especially since you know, look, we're calling you, we we're speaking to you from New York. But although this is kind of a global, kind of, it is a global pandemic, New York seems to be really the center of, or the eye of the storm right now. Um, so I hear everything you're saying. Um, th- th- what bothers me the most about this is that once again, black folk appear to be over-indexing in the negative zone. And uh, even with what you told me about your friend, about your brother there, uh if you if you're caught up in these kind of circumstances, you're going to have to protect yourself. In spite of what uh the government is doing. I mean, he works for he works for a government uh agency or if you work for a corporation, uh if you haven't guessed it, yeah, they don't really care about you. So, um I you know, I was speaking to I was speaking to uh Captain Kirk's predecessor, Mr. Starks, and we were kind of going back and forth with war stories. Um as we traverse around with this situation and he, we both agreed that we instinctively knew that you could, you could even use a makeshift mask. Like before there was this whole special type of mask, the N95 mask. You, you, you had to have that. Then you heard things about, you heard, you heard, um, this is where captain talks about the manipulation that I agree with, that we, we were um, misinformed misinformed very early on because i instinctively i thought if you created any kind of barrier for yourself even if it's a makeshift barrier cube that that would be of some efficacy but early on if you remember they said well you have to have a special kind of mask and the mask isn't really that helpful i mean he told you all these kind of things now they're telling you the complete opposite now they're saying well you could use a scarf you could, you could create your own kind of mask. Um, you could put bags over your hands. I mean, you, you know, you could do all kinds of things on, on a makeshift uh, guerrilla level to protect yourself. But before they said none of that stuff would really matter. Now it seems to make the difference. But I instinctively said, you know what, that, doesn't ring, that rings false to me. That rings false to me. So there's things that, that are going on in the black community that, that if you look at the, the classic blacks – have a great deal a great deal of fondness for q they were dealing with dire circumstances and even pandemics and somehow it seems like just common sense they were able to survive these these situations now with all of the technology all the verve all of the information at our disposal we don't know what to do and i think that black folks have always been on their own we just have and and i I don't think we should be just uh, the lambs for the slaughter. I just don't believe we should be doing that. I, I, I don't know why you know, we got caught up, and as I said at the beginning of the show, we got caught up with this, this, this fantasy that we're impervious to this, kind of, this kind of thing. And we're just not. But we could have been, even if you know you are, if you are in one of those essential positions, even if you know you're an essential worker, you still need to do what you can to protect yourself. And, uh, you know, I don't want to kind of um, bogart the conversation, so I'm going to let Sergio come in, but I have a lot more to say about just what I've been seeing with, with cross-racially and more specific with our people, and it's very disturbing. You still have a lot of people out here. I got stories of, of things, personal stories of things that are going on that you better have, you better have your wit about you. So it's a little deeper than just, oh, the poor black and brown people, and you know we're just helpless, we're, we're, we're uh, I- infants ready to be slaughtered. Some of us are just ignorant, and we're ignorant, ignorant in the middle of chaos, and we're paying the, the price for it. I've said this early on, Q, you, you heard me years ago when I talked about um, martial law and all that kind of stuff. And some of it was over the top, but I, I, but I believe in some of this stuff. There's a cultural thing with black folks, a cultural reverse engineering that is necessary. It just is. And now, you know, with many of us, because of kind of the ignorance kind of thing, some of it's our fault, some of it isn't. But however you want to position it, all you have is yourself at this point. All we have is us. Anyway, let me bring in Sergio, and I'll expound on some of the stuff that I've been noticing, uh, as, I, as I, too, have to go out and get food. Anyway, Sergio, Chi-Town's finest. I think Chi-Town's having, having a problem, man. The uh, metrics. Uh,
7: uh, yeah, well, before we get into anything, be sure you talk about AMC movie theaters, because actually that's a con game that AMC is really doing. Uh, about the whole situation. Don't believe the hype that um, they're going to go out of business. But getting back to Chicago, um, yeah, Chicago has a bad. But th- here's the thing. First of all, number one, the numbers in Chicago, or just say the state of Illinois, are nowhere near what's going on in New York City. As a matter of fact, and when you look at the numbers, um, The state of Illinois, in terms of the number of cases, has dropped from seventh place to ninth place, okay? So we're not anywhere near the level that was going on in New York. Other than that, yes, the stories about how it's affecting the black community, you know, it's true. Now, once again, as Captain Kirk alluded to, it comes down to poor health. The first person to die of the virus or was the virus a major cause was this elderly black woman who had suffered from a, a severe a- um, asthma, you know, decreased lung capacity. She gets a, a virus that attacks the respiratory system. She's gone. A week later, her sister died. She had the same condition, right? Um it is obesity it is it is um uh, the high blood pressure, it is hypertension, it is asthma also don't forget smokers um, I read that the rate of death in Louisiana is higher than the rate of death in New York, and experts say the number one reason for that is obesity. I go back to this uh report. Uh, that I saw on 60 Minutes. Was it this Sunday or or the Sunday before? But anyway, um, it was dealing with the um, medical, you know, what's going on in emergency rooms in New York City? And the reporter asked the doctor, is there anything you see in common with these cases, these really severe cases of people who have been struck bad by the virus? And the woman said, so far what we see is that uh the number one the most common um the most common thing we see is obesity so um going back to what captain kirk says if you are healthy if um you eat a right diet uh you don't have any underlying conditions such as asthma or high blood pressure um uh, that affects the the black community in much higher numbers then you're pretty good to go.
6: Can I just um may I jump in or do you want to move Hello?
7: Uh
1: no go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. My mic was off. Go ahead. <clears throat>
6: see here's the thing.
1: I see I've
6: been like you said, I've been listening to this show since you did that martial law broadcast and I learned about you on Michael Dean. I think that was two thousand and six, two thousand seven. Man. Um, and I, I hear what you've been saying all this time. I, I believe I, I follow that. But here's the thing. You know, my wife, between the, my wife and I, we make, you know, mid-six figures. We do okay. Got a lot of credit card debt I'm ashamed of. But we're, we're not struggling, per se. And I, I still can't afford to buy healthy foods, and I still can't afford to – um, I, I still get hospital bills when I had the flu back in uh, December. I still look at that bill I'm like, oh, man, okay. We, we as a people, yeah, some of the stuff we do, we got to get the skeletons out of our closet, but we have to understand also some people don't have access to Internet. They don't have access to the same education that other more privileged people have, so they don't learn the same things that other people learn about nutrition. Or finance, for that matter, they don't have. They can't go to Whole Foods or Fresh Market or what, or Trader Joe's or what's that? What's that? Um, what's that? Uh, market you guys have in New York? There's one Farmers, right under, um, right under the West Side Farmers, Highway.
1: Farmers Market.
6: No, it's right under the West Side Highway. I used to go by there all the time, heading to Riverside Church. I can't remember the name of it. But they just don't have access to that. So we gotta. We can't condemn not saying you're condemning, but we can't assess blame with, I mean, ignorance is ignorance, but sometimes it, it is a justifiable excuse because of circumstances. Sometimes. I just want to, well,
2: to throw that out there. Can I say something? Can I say something? Full disclosure, I was in the hospital not too long ago, right? The doctors did a run check on my arteries, your veins, the capillaries. They did a run check on it. And they said, man, man, you, your arteries and capillaries are like a 30-year-old. And I said to the doctor, that's because I don't eat a regular diet like these guys. I don't eat the normal foods. Like most of them stuff, man, when bison was sending around some something with uh, the type of foods you eat or something like that, and they were uh, like a lot of southern foods, I got a very low score. I don't eat them foods. These foods clog your arteries. So maybe something else is going to kill me, but there ain't going to be no heart attack based on what they're saying. You see what I'm saying? So I don't really eat those type of foods. And I do agree with what Q was saying. Because a lot of people don't know anything about nutrition. They don't know about going for a walk as far as exercise. They don't know. That, that stuff doesn't compute. i ran into people from down south specifically. They work for They always tell me, oh, I, I, no one ever told me about no exercise. I said, here we go. No one ever told you about, let me take a little walk for 30 minutes. That improves you. You don't, you don't got to go to no gym. You know what I'm saying? You ain't got to go to no gym, but you, you got to move a little bit. That's all. You have a job. You sit at the terminal all day. You drive a vehicle as big as a house, and then, then you go to an all you could eat spot with the worst foods. That's the typical. A lot of people, that's what they want. So it begins to catch up with on you after 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Then you got to go to the hospital, and they stemmed out. You got to get stemmed up. <laughs> if you're lucky, the heart attack might hit you before that. So, the good thing about going to the hospital, I know, good for is that maybe something else killed me, but not that. Back over to you, sir. All right, let me let me
1: say something. Um, so, uh, it, there's, a, there's a mantra that many of you probably are familiar with that came out of the Bush administration: the bigotry of low expectations, the the bigotry. Of low expectations, and as much as i as I had a problem with that administration, that mantra always stuck with me because some many things that just have such a that ring so truthful to me when it when it rings truthful to me, I can't upend it. I have to like okay that's that's so theres there's such a core truth to it I can't deconstruct it so i I hear what you're saying q but um, I have to defer to Mr. Starks again, going back and forth with war stories. I'm out here like everybody else as far as, you know, getting food and going to stores and that kind of thing. And Mr. Starks told, told me something uh, recently, I think like yesterday. He's repeated it, and he said he has noticed that um, where there may be a scarcity, a scarcity of food at some of these places, that he – the food is bountiful for him because he's actively getting the fruits and vegetables that he's seeing the lower-tier people not even getting. They're getting the, the, the donuts, the cakes, and all those kind of things. They're actively ignoring the fruits and vegetables that are in their midst. So, again, I, I don't think we should be I, – I think there's a little bit of uh, – Unnecessary charity Unnecessary Unnecessary charity to people Like oh look at them they don't know any better And and we It's almost it's not really dignified You're not it's not a dignified Thing in my opinion to Constantly position Folks that we deem to be quote unquote Lower tier when we're Starting to see that some of these People are just not Whether it's cultural they're not going in that Direction now um, yeah, uh, Mr. Starks is educated And he's just told me You know look They're not getting the carrots They're not getting the beets They're not getting the, they're not getting the apples they're, they're not even going there They're just, going, they're just like they, they don't want it But the, the meats And uh, the, ju- you know, the, the, the sodas And the beers They're going there for that They're not going there for the other stuff so I don't, I, don't know, I don't know if it's that simple to simply say that that's what's going on. And also something else, on a personal note, so uh, I go with the Oracle to assist him with getting some food. This was a couple of days ago, uh, like this past weekend. Uh, my father's older. As many of our listeners know, I lost my mother, unfortunately. My father's in great health. You know, he's, he's with it, you know, moves, moves with no issues. Uh, he jokingly, to his advantage People think he's a lot younger than he, than he is Which is good for me So I want that gene to kind of still continue So anyway um, So he's on himself a little His, his head's a little big But I, anyway I wonder, I, wonder how I, I wonder where I get that from Anyway, so he's moving around But I'm very, I'm very protective of my remaining parent Obviously So I go to a stop and shop We go to a stop and shop And And uh, as we're going to Stop and Shop, obviously, on, on Long Island, I'm seeing a, a whole strew of businesses that are closed. So, you know, businesses are shut down. We are talking about, talking about World of the Worlds, 1938 or 1939, World of the Worlds. We're talking about all that sci-fi stuff. It's come to our reality. We go to Stop and Shop, and maybe two weeks ago, you might have saw half the customer base going in there protected. Now you're seeing maybe eight eight tenths of the customers going in with with masks on and with gloves, but you still you still have a few stringers not protected. So I see a young a young couple, uh, black and brown. the 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 the, uh, the male appears to be well he's black, and the female is of Indian extraction or of uh, Latin extraction doesn't really matter. Black and brown couple. They're coming out. They're coming out with shorts and it's summertime gear. No, no gloves. No, no mask. Nothing. And And I. And I. I have my spider sense on. So I'm looking all around me. That that paranoia is on me. So I'm looking around me, and as as I'm go, as I'm walking with my father, I see that they're kind of close to us. Like they're kind of walking, you know, that, that whole skip to the skip to the loo, nonchalant, nothing's going on kind of attitude. They're walking into a place where you see clearly most of the people that are in there. They look like it's uh, Night of the Living Baseheads. Okay, everyone's got covered up the whole night, and they're still kind of in our kind of in in our personal space, walking behind us. So my father goes towards the eggs, checking the eggs. Gloves on. Both of us have our stuff on, and the young man is like within a few inches of my father's shoulder. And I'm and I'm like, guys, not giving my dad any room. Like, what's up? I mean, I'm, so I said, excuse me, you're gonna to have to move back a little. Can you kind of get? You have to give us about six feet. And he gives me a look. He gives me like a real, you know, like a he, he kind of. He has a moment where he's about to—he's about to, as they say, black out. When I told him, and I said, "Hey, you know, that's what they say, man. They say six feet." And he gives me that look. Now, I'm already in my head. I'm like, "This guy's gonna make me do a Denzel Equalizer. I'm gonna get a can of peas and bash your mouth in. I'm about to. I, I, I'm already got three or four steps on this guy. I'm gonna have to. am gonna knock his key. His, his, knock his key net." His his uh, kneecap and hit him in the mouth with a can of pee simultaneously. I'm already, I'm not. But this is the, this is the Afro nurse speaking. I'm not that guy. But when it's my 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 father and it's the, the, just the fact that I'm saying to myself, this guy doesn't believe that this is a real thing. He he's mad that I have to, I have to tell him you know this 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 personal space this six foot thing. I mean. This, you don't think this? You don't see this is this is a global pandemic? You don't see that? So I guess what I'm what I'm saying is, I'm, I saw young people, many young people in this store, not you know, still walking around unprotected, no gloves on, no mask on. They don't think this is real. So, uh, and this is cross racially, cross racially. I saw a lot of black folks. Kind of like this is. I saw young black women, two and three kids, two and three uh, toddlers or young children. No one in their, no one in that purview, is covered up. This is not real to them. Now you could use, you could use a scarf. You could use a cloth. You could put bags in your hands. You don't have to have special, uh, special uh, designer black gloves or special designer. Uh, a designer mask. You don't have to do that. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll stop at this one point. Just how my mind, how you have to protect yourself. So we're about to purchase this food. My father goes elsewhere, still looking around. So I'm going into the, I'm going into the, into the aisle. I'm guided into the, into uh, the cashier's aisle to purchase the food. And I see that the young African American female cashier had to be under 25. She says, "She says, come on, I can take you." And I'm looking at her hands, no gloves, and she's about to grab the food. The person she just helped, elderly, elderly white man, no mask, no gloves. I said, "You know what? I have to get something else." Pardon me, no big, no, you know, I'm, have to, I'm gonna have to get out. She said, "No, no, 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 I have to get something else. That's okay." The person that guided me in said, "Why'd you, why you get out? why you get out the, uh, the aisle?" I said, no, nah, I have to do something. You have to protect yourself, Q. This is a black, this is a young black woman on the front line. Most of her fellow employees were covered up. She is is manipulating groceries, handling dirty money, just dealt with a man, a young, an elderly person. No one's covered up. They might as well have, might as well have, should have had sexual sexual liaison in front of the store. Nobody had any kind of protection. This is what we're dealing with. You're dealing with the dumb versus the intelligent out here.
7: well, okay, can I say two things first of all, to answer to answer um Qstorm thing um uh I, I last week I went to a gross uh supermarket. Anybody who's living from Chicago knows it's called Mariano's uh It's more of a high end store, and uh they put one about a year and a half ago. In uh, right in the middle of Bronzeville On the south side First time they had a store on the south side They have delis They got a huge bakery They got one hell of a liquor you know, section And uh, the thing I noticed Was that There were a lot of people there But the thing I noticed was that The stuff The, the shelves that were empty Were the pop shelves And the potato chips Snack shelves You know Fruit, vegetables, there was plenty of that. You can have all you want, right? Other types of healthy foods, all you want. But the whole pop section, like a desert. The potato chips, Dorito section, you know, and this store has everything. And once again, is in, a, it's right in the middle of a black neighborhood in Bronzeville, right? So this idea that Well, you know, black people don't know. There's opportunity there. You get everything there you need, right? Black people go for the potato chips. Number two, going to what you just said about the cashier. As I've said this before, I think we're still being a bit too paranoid. You know, I have friends. You know, a friend of mine posted something on a Facebook post. She lives really in the downtown area, and downtown has been pretty much deserted for the last two weeks, maybe closer to three weeks, and she went out, and she made it sound like it was the greatest horror film ever made. She she was just, she, she's going to have a nervous breakdown, and I go, like, there's nobody around. What, what, what are you scared about? Everybody is so scared. Everybody is so paranoid. You know, just calm down, folks, you know? Be sure you wash your hands or, you know, you use um, hand sanitizer. You know, you know if, you gotta, if you think you have to wear a mask then go ahead, though I don't wear, well, I haven't really been out. But even if I did, I wouldn't wear one. I mean, just just me. But, you know, still, I think people are still over-paranoid about everything. Like, I don't want to touch money. I don't want to touch you. I mean, how's, how's, how's that a way to live? You weren't you weren't that you weren't like that a month ago.
1: We weren't in the middle of the pandemic either, Sergio. Well, look, yeah, I mean, I how do you I mean
6: know we
7: that, weren't in the middle of it a month ago?
6: Because we were looking at the data. I, don't, I why, what, what? See, here's the other thing. about oh, black As people. I
7: said before, no. I <laughs> said before. As I said before. The only reason why we know that people have the virus is because people are being tested for it. How do we know that people didn't have this virus back in November?
1: Hold on, hold on, on, Serge, Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. I put I put his mic on off. I still have him, sir. Just put your mic down. I'll bring it back.
8: Go ahead.
2: Go ahead. Uh, Two thousand
8: and eighteen.
2: Eighty thousand people died from the flu. No one knows that. You know why? Because no one wanted to know. Want you to know. It could have been four hundred thousand. You would not have known. For some reason, they wanted you to know these numbers. The numbers that we got right now. Could have easily passed Without you knowing There's not a million people that's going to die If 500,000 people Let's just say died worldwide And we're nowhere near those numbers You would not have known You know why? Because how do you get your information? MSNBC, Fox, CNN And Wikipedia If they said they're not going to tell you You could have lost 500,000 people already And you would not know For some reason Food for thought you know you're in a pandemic, all right? Think about that, all right? Always remember that. That's why you know, because they wanted you to know. It could have been very easily, don't tell them anything. You would have never known. You would have never known. No one's going to the hospital and, get, and standing in front and get tested. They don't test you that. They don't test you unless you have symptoms. You would not know. So that's food for thought, man. You got to think about that, man. What's happening right now?
1: We just have another caller. We have another caller. I'm going to bring that caller in. I think that's Nas from G, from GA. Go but, ahead. Um, a let's go. Let's go. Let's go to uh, Q Storm. Uh, well, let me just say this quick, and I'll let Q Storm speak, and then I'll bring in um, Nas. Uh, the the only thing that I I would have to kind of you know, respectfully disagree with the captain on, and really not a disagreement, is I don't think I don't think this is so much of. There's a little bit of hype, obviously. There is hype involved, but I think. When you go through the metrics, there's a 1% to 2% difference in, uh, in the viral rate on this one. In other words, what you say is correct. Like, it, it, when it stays within the 1%, 1% mean, then, yeah, people die all the time. Uh, you know, die, in the, in the, in the, well, let me finish my point. I, let me finish my point. 5%
2: after, the, you're not going to know if they don't want you no, to but, know. But what they're saying...
1: What they're saying is that the uptick toward 2% it starts to get to the point where you're going to start overrunning the hospitals. So it, when the hospitals start to get affected where they can't treat these people, it becomes, a pan, it becomes a pandemic. And even if we want to disagree and talk about, okay, this is you know spurious and all that kind of thing, I'd rather err on the side of caution. The fact that so much business has been affected at this point, I'm, I'm just not going to – I'm not going to fight – and then end up in the grave. I mean, you know, both of us can exchange exchange our stories now with people that we know personally that have died or are in the hospital even as we speak with this COVID thing. So, I think ultimately, if you're in poor health, if you're in poor health, uh, it might affect you more adversely. But I, I just I'm just not I'm not willing to kind of do the conspiratorial thing, um, and then you know you end up getting
2: this thing, you know. But but let, let Q Stone... Go ahead. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Afternoon, over a million people die a year from pneumonia. Do you realize that? Hospitals are not overrun. About 800,000 a year die from TB. Hospitals are not overrun. You don't know that because they're not telling you. You would not know. Just the game that's not, happening right now. I've,
1: I, I understand. I'm not disagreeing with the numbers, but I think that the, the rate of infection and the way, that, um, the way that these people are, uh, are being addressed by the hospital. I mean, look, we're hearing stories now, Captain, about even in the New York area, that they're using fields and parks to bury people temporarily because of the amount of death. I, I think there's – whatever the math is on this thing, it's enough of an uptick where, where, A, the hospitals could be overrun, and, B, now we're looking at different, different uh, places where funeral homes – and even where you have to bury people is being affected. We're seeing people in, in Honduras where you're seeing dead bodies on the street. I mean, I, I just think there's something different about how this is going down than just kind of saying, well, the flu kills hundreds of thousands of people. I understand that, but there's something about the math that makes this a little bit different, uh, allegedly, allegedly. But I'm not willing to kind of do the conspiratorial thing and, you know, you end up dead. You know, you, you know we can say that for the luxury of breathing right now. That's just my opinion. My opinion. Um, let's go to Nas. No, let's go to Q, and then we we'll go to Nas. Q, you had something to say?
6: Yeah, <clears throat> it's really making my blood boil dealing with Negroes. We, we just you <laughs> personally just told a story about Nogs <laughs> who did not take it seriously. Okay, yeah. I don't understand. I'm not calling anyone a nod. I will say Negro. I don't understand why Negroes all of a sudden don't want to hear science and data. Now, here's the data. The flu does kill a lot of people over the course of a year. This flu, this coronavirus has killed worldwide what is it? I'm sorry, not killed. Infected worldwide. What's the number now? 500,000? Is it more? Something like that. 000? Something
1: like that. I think so. Since,
6: since January, it has a 2% mortality rate. That's one. Two. And the flu has a what? 0.2%, 0.1%? Okay. That's There's one. a
1: difference in the percentage. I think I heard from, I heard from one to two. Like one percent has one. One percent is one thing, but when it upticks toward two percent, that's what they talk about. It could overrun the hospitals and the medical response. Yes. Will will yes. not be enough. We so
6: have a
2: vaccine.
6: We have a vaccine for the flu, even though it kills a lot of people. We have a vaccine for the flu. Three or two. You can carry this and spread it around while being. Repeat after me. Asymptomatic. That means you don't know you have it, but you are carrying it. That makes it a lot more easy to spread than the flu. I don't understand why we're fighting over no this. No one's
2: fighting you. No one's fighting you. Well,
6: why are people trying to downplay it? I'm arguing with my own crew about, oh, you're paranoid.
2: I'm paranoid because I'm wearing a mask. The thing is, the only, the only thing I'm fighting you on, I'm not fighting you on these numbers. I'm fighting you on why you knew. You didn't have to know this. Who cares? I don't care how I know something. it. Why is it an issue? It is an issue. Why? It is an issue. It is an issue. Why? It is an issue. How come okay. you don't know a million people a Million people die a year from pneumonia? It is an issue. I don't understand that's why it's worse. an issue I need to be worried about, things, though. What? Things are worse than this out there. That's why it's an issue.
6: But they're not. That's what, That was the whole point. They're not. Let, <laughs> I let just me bring,
2: told you. Let me You're bring, it, so let me bring it, it. They're predicting,
6: they're predicting 240,000 possible <laughs> yeah, deaths.
2: This is not going to kill a million people. It's worse than this, Q. I lost my sister to pneumonia just a couple of months ago, dead. You understand? You don't know anything about it. That's what I'm trying to tell you.
6: I ahead, guess I don't understand why it's important that I don't know that. <laughs> you know, it's not right, a pan- flu is, flu is it's not like a, a okay. pandemic. This is a pandemic.
1: Respectfully, let, let's let's go let's go to Nas out of GA. Nas, how are you man? I hope your family yeah. and you are safe.
8: Yeah, appreciate that man. Same to you and yours and everybody on the line, man. Everybody out there, be careful, be safe. And 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 look, man, you are in America, so there's gonna be an idiot factor within everything. So when you say you're seeing <laughs> people at the store acting crazy or doing this and that, hey man, you know, let gonna be there. Uh, I kind of, I kind of got to salute Afro nerd though for uh, using his uh, veteran, almost unk years because you're almost an unk uh, Afro nerd. You get a little older as a black elder. Uh, you're able to speak to young folks like that, man. That that has that to happen sometimes. Sometimes you got to check young folks and say something. And at a certain age, man, that you just get that license. So sometimes it might turn into an altercation or something like that. But as, as an elder, you get to say that. But the the reason I called in was uh, the conversation y'all were having uh, a little bit earlier, a couple of minutes ago. And the problem was y'all were trying to separate it when actually you you both were right. She was saying, like, wait a minute, there's some, you know, other circumstances in play when you look at the rate of infection and the fact that our community is the most affected. And you guys are saying, well, there's some things you can do personal responsibility wise in order to keep yourselves healthy. Both things are right because if you just do one, then you're still looking at a a huge disparity between us and the rest of the U.S. population. So are there food deserts where people can't get healthy food? Are we in places where, you know, the NIMBY group moved factories and other, you know, carcinogens and things like that next to our neighborhoods? Yes. Uh, The the, the fact that a lot of these health disparities show in, you know, economically distressed areas kind of tells you everything you need to know about that. So racism is baked into the cake of this. But the other side of this, the personal responsibility side, should we eat better? Should we be cooking at home more? Should we learn much better habits as far as exercise and everything else? Yes. So it's both and. It's not either or. Both sides were right when y'all were bringing that up earlier. But, like, we got to understand other stuff, too. When you go into these grocery stores and you see a lot of fruits and vegetables, those things don't last that long. That's why you see people going to the chips, the crackers, the frozen food and all that stuff. Because the people are gearing up for, you know, this ice isolation and staying at home, they're buying things that are going to last longer. Good, point. Going to stretch, a good point. Good point. And they're point. going to use throughout a big family typically. So it's not necessarily not knowing. It's more of hey man, you ain't got to tell poor folks how to spend their EBT or how to spend their little bit of cash. Folks know what they're doing. They're just trying to stretch stuff. But you know this is a man. This is just a weird moment we in. It's like everything I've talked about. All the dystopian stuff. And all the weird stuff. Now I get where Sergio's coming from where he's saying, don't be scared. You know what I'm saying? Understood, don't be scared, but prepare. You know what I mean? Prepare yourself. Keep cleaning. Keep all your, your gear on, you know, when you're out in public and everything else. Not necessarily because you might make a mistake, but it's because you got to keep up the idiot factor. There's the idiot factor in every piece of society of America, and you have to account for that the idiot who will not cover his mouth, that, that that poor bus driver who had that lady coughing on his bus, and he knew oh. something was wrong wow. that day, and that brother ended up passing. Like, you have to prepare yeah. for the idiot factor. So, you know, that, that's just going to be a part of this whole process. Now, now the flu thing, like, I understand where the brother's come from, saying the flu is a dangerous thing. But, look, when somebody has the flu in your house, you typically stay in your house. And where, where Q-Stone was coming from was saying, look, those deaths happen over the mass of a year. When you're talking about something like coronavirus, a pandemic, we're talking about these things happening rapidly. Boom, 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 numbers just coming in. And that's not even including, because of our lack of testing, how many are walking around asymptomatic. And as, as, as uh, AfroNerd keeps bringing up, if we hit a certain benchmark and people are coming in and not being able to get service, we don't have the facilities to treat these people, house these people, or even even the fibrillators, Uh, You know, to give them what they need as far as treating them So that there there can become a moment uh, to where, you know, things become overwhelmed And and our run-down, raggedy healthcare system is kind of exposed to the world And that's something I've been trying to get people to understand, too, about the coronavirus Everything that's bad about the coronavirus, the, the pandemic aspect of it, is one part of it The other part is it exposes America's deficits, like all of the areas we're not good in uh, our, our attention to the health care system, our uh, ability to house people, our ability for people to move freely and get where they need to go because people are kind of stuck within these little, you know, four- and five-block radiuses. Like, all of the different ills of America become exposed during an emergency, and, and that's what we're seeing. We don't do many things well.
6: Including uh, electing presidents in 2016.
8: Indeed.
1: Well,
6: <laughs>
8: No uh, one's
1: uh, willing to no no one's willing to position uh, racism uh, yeah. as a mental disorder. I wish they would. <laughs> Matter of fact, you know, it's something that uh, that uh, Mr. Starks has t- spoken about for many many years. Uh, he told me one, one time, and we go about we, we speak about this quite frequently as a repeated kind of thing. That um, why why can't why isn't racism perceived as a mental disorder? And I think I saw some. Uh, documentary one time, and the person, the expert speaking, said the the main reason, the main reason why we can't even say racism is a mental disorder, which is what it is, is because there's too many people that, that are afflicted by it, and it's, it's, there's no way to to address it because anybody can have that affliction. I mean, it's just, it's that simple. But it, it should be, it should be perceived as a a mental disorder. And let me read this real quick. I mean, I I actually Googled why is the coronavirus uh more deadly than influenza, so uh, you know. I want to read this quickly. I'm, I'm just going to put it out there, and then you can you know unpack it for yourself. So it says, thirteen weeks into the coronavirus era, some still question whether the new disease is bad enough to warrant an economic shutdown. When influenza, a, a disease that kills thousands every year, is treated as an annual inconvenience, some Twitter users, including the conservative radio radio host Bill Mitchell, called the coronavirus flu light. A Pew Research survey released April 1st and conducted from March 10th to 16th found that 79% of regular Fox News viewers believe the news media have exaggerated the risk, the risks of the new virus. Gregory A. Poland, a Mayo Mayo Clinic infectious diseases specialist who acts as a spokesperson for the Infectious Diseases Society of America, said the question always comes up When he does radio talk shows, isn't this just a flu or a bad flu? John Zerlo, chief of the division of infectious diseases at Jefferson Health, thinks the answer is clear. Both diseases can kill, but the scale of the coronavirus problem, he said, is much, much larger. There are some obvious reasons to compare flu and coronavirus. The viruses can cause similar symptoms, including fever and body aches. Both are more likely to cause serious illness and death in people over 65 this year's flu virus has been unusually tough on children while the coronavirus seems to largely spare them like all illnesses illnesses Poland said both cause a wide range of symptoms with some people unaware they've been affected and others made deathly sick a huge difference is that there are vaccines for flu each fall they're not perfect but when well matched to the circulating strains of flu which change every year, they reduce the number of cases and the amount of serious diseases. There's no vaccine for the coronavirus, which can cause a disease that no one in the world had before it emerged in China in December. Unlike the flu, there are no proven antiviral treatments for coronavirus. Uh, I hate to think of what flu seasons would be like if we had no vaccinations, Zerlo said. Lisa McHugh, an epidemiologist with the New Jersey Department of Health, said it's too early to say whether flu is done, done with her state for the season. Tests are way down, but New Jersey has been grappling with a high coronavirus caseload. So far, the state has had 47,437 coronavirus cases and 15, 1,504 deaths. It does not report flu deaths. Um, I'll, I'll close out here. It says experts said both flu and COVID-19 are underreported. Many people who have flu are never tested for it, and there have not been enough coronavirus kits to test everyone with symptoms. Uh, the, death
9: rate,
1: the death rate for flu, usually 0.1%, is thought to be many times lower than for the coronavirus. The current best estimate for the coronavirus is 1%. That seems pretty low until you realize that the world has 8 billion people. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, 1%... Of eight billion is substantial. I mean, you know, come on. Uh, it also matters how easily a virus spreads. Well, let's see, what is it? Ten uh, percent of eight billion is what? Eighty million.
2: So one percent. I know my math is off. 1% is eight hundred. eight hundred. Ten percent Eight hundred million. 800, 800, 800 800 800 one million.
3: Million.
2: percent of eight billion Would be eight million, wouldn't it? No, be eighty million. One percent.
1: Oh. Well, eight million or eighty million? It's $80 million. I, well, I don't know. Yeah, a lot of people. Let me let me bring back Sergio, and then I want to go to a uh, Bill Withers break, and we'll you know we'll band, bandy about this again. But uh, you know, look, I'm I'm not comfortable with what I disclosed about getting angry over my dad, but I just I had this. I'm not. I'm a person that's very honest on mic. Well, because what, what, it's unbecoming. It, 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 well, look, I don't. I. I, I you know. You don't know me. You're dead. You're dead, I, man. I, well, you know what is? It, it, I have an issue, a tick that I think my audience members know. When you do illogical, stupid ish, I sit there in wonderment. Like, I, like I, again, <laughs> is a young couple? You're dressed with no protection. You're walking around. Every, you see clearly everybody around you is protected, but you are holding hands and skipping like it's not a big deal. And then, okay, you do you, but you doing you, or this YOLO acronym, is going to affect me, me, and, 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 my, and my dad. And the fact that he's inches he's away from my father, and when I tell him, you know, look, we got a six-foot rule, he's angry with me for the rule. I said I'm going to I'm going to have to erase you, brother. I'm sorry. That was in my head.
7: That was in my head.
1: I'm going to have to pull out an eraser, the Afro nerd, because because you're just too stupid. If you, don't under, if you don't understand French predicures, and you mess up, or you mess up my father, I'm going to have to erase you. That's it. That's it. You don't understand the feet, and you don't understand my father, then both of you you're gone, and you're
0: gone.
1: Anyway. Uh let me I see I see that uh, I think the uncanny is, uh, um, is is with us. I don't believe it. <laughs> uh is this Darrell, is that you?
10: And this is the note in which I enter re enter the arena.
1: This is beautiful. <laughs>
10: Welcome.
1: Listen man, my Welcome. brother, how 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 are you doing? You you we we will, you know, keep keep your your um vocation uh quiet. We don't need people all in your business. But ah, you're one of those essential you're, you're, one, you're one of those essential workers though, correct?
10: Oh yeah, yeah. There's another word for it, but I'll leave that one alone.
1: Okay. <laughs> so. Okay, so 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 you're you're covered up are you you're seeing some stuff. Like what I described, uh, you're you're seeing that. People walking around oh. like it's all good, right?
10: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've told my stories on Twitter you know, that's part of the reason I restarted doing the video blogs because that helps me freaking calm down, because I see way too much. <laughs> like, like Let me, let me just uh, horse me uh, deep doo-doo, however you want to call it. I mean, the same lady that will walk up on me as I'm doing work is the same lady that will complain, he ain't absorbing the six feet rule. The only only recourse I have is tell managers and stuff, go ahead and look at the cameras. Focus the cameras right down on here and see what happened. And that way you could see what uh, this Karen was doing.
1: Karen. (laughs) (laughs) Even I know what that means. There's like a difference between Karen and Becky. What's the difference between a Karen? This this is is to the listening audience. We're talking about uh, – Euphemisms for, for for white for white out of pocket people. So there's there's the there's the Becky. Now there's a the Karen. Is there a difference between uh, a Karen and a Becky? Uh,
10: no, I I definitely. So. Definitely. Uh, the way I look at it is Becky. Becky would be pleasing to the eye, if not for their personality. All right, like uh, uh, Angelina Jolie. Before she became enlightened. She was, she was nice in the face, but her personality was rotten. To me, a Karen is rotten any, all the way around. You know who a Karen is? A Karen is the, the girl who went to that Oakland Park and called the police because black right. people were having fun and barbecued. That's a Karen. Mm. That isn't a Becky. A Becky is it's like a, a white girl you would want to have relations with, but then she opened her mouth.
6: I'm sorry to say it like that. Science, that's that's science right there. That's data. That's data.
10: (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll 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 just say it like that, you know. So so, uh, it go like I I saw that and I saw my girl CK get into it and she did a dissertation on there to try to teach people because once I heard white women got upset, so they wanted to make Karen the new N word. I was like, mm. I'm going to just let black woman Twitter handle this, because if a black man steps up first and gets involved in this, it will be accused of misogyny. But let the black woman Twitter handle this. They, they'll they explain it so that all of our allies could understand. And I apologize for all the good people named Karen out there and all the good people named Rebecca or Becky out there. It's a personal flight to you. Yes. Let me. Some, you got to get some of your people in
1: check. Let me say something quickly, uh, in deference to uh, the uncanny. Uh, definitely, you know, he mentioned it, but I want I want to be make it very clear to the listening audience. Definitely check out the Afrenor Radio Instagram page, Afrenor Radio IG, and you will see um, the uncanny Daryl B doing book reviews, doing wrestling book reviews, comic book reviews, t- trade paperback. So I would advise the listenership. That, you know, look, we are even in a crisis, whether we're doing a radio show, whether we're doing a transitional radio show, which, you know, I'm working on testing it this weekend. Um, We're also on IG. We're also heavy on Twitter. So you can reach us even when we're not not doing a show. So go to Afroner Radio IG to see these uh, splendiferous uh, reviews that the uncanny that he's doing. Um, Now,
0: I want to bring in. Go ahead. And,
10: and, and just quickly, just to give guys a preview for this week, if you've checked out uh, Twitter or Instagram, you've seen some of our favorite people got together and did the Don't Rush Challenge. Well, some of those books they, they showed will be the highlights of my next One Minute Bad Review set. So, shout I want out minute. to 130, uh, 133 Art, Nerd Soul, uh, Greg Elise. All Gene, all the folks there who did their thing.
1: Now I want to go back and forth between you and Sergio. I'm going to bring it back in. I'm going to forego the the musical break. Because we've got about 36 minutes remaining. Um, okay. I'm going to go, I'm going to I'm going to keep you on, and then I'm going to bring Sergio in. So, uh, in your opinion, because both you guys are kind of on the opposite ends of the pop culture spectrum, right? <laughs> So, and I say that whatever, whether it's highbrow or lowbrow, even though I think comic books are now kind of highbrow or mid-tier brow, we, we've actually moved up, I think, a little bit. Um, where do where do you see this is it to Daryl? Where do you see the, the, the culture going in this COVID crisis? Because we know that that, that the comic shops are are suffering. Uh, we don't know if they're going to return. We're hearing some some, you know kind of out of out the box thinking on trying to preserve the comic books. I think the comic book shop I I have a a link, and we're supposed to be talking about this story of a Florida comic comic book shop where the owner is actively uh, circumventing Diamond. You know, Diamond Distributors is where we get most of our comic books. That now he's saying, you know what? (laughs) Whoever is making comic books, I will sell them for you. Meeting the independent people and you know, everyone else besides the big two, uh, the independents. Maybe you, you see us will we will we will help you sell these books. So now, that's one way that these comic shop owners are thinking of getting around this this suspension of distribution by Diamond. So what do you what do you think is going to happen? You know, AMC Theaters is talking about bankruptcy. Um, you know, the, the, we're talking about more and more movies are being are being uh, postponed for six months, a year. Uh, is any other stuff going to return the way that we know it to 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 be returning, Dale? In your opinion? No, it's a, re,
10: a, ref, uh, a it will, referendum. Nah. Referendum? No, it, it's forever changed. Uh, I was going with the IRR word, but I can't freaking pronounce it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still work work anger is still on me, but I will say this, okay? This comic shop like in Philly and the Bronx and Atlanta, you know, that have been selling independent books already. Like they were heavy into independent, like Ariel Johnson, Greg Burnham's guys over there, uh, uh, Advent folks down in Georgia. Oh, Greg Burnham's also Georgia. Ariel uh, Ariel Johnson, Philly, you know, Uh, Bronx, uh, Mean Tees, and Bronx Heroes, uh, Brooklyn, anyone comics, they had, yeah, they had the popular books, but half of their revenue came from the independent, so they're they're not doing as well as they was, but they already had that indie in right there, and for all the people complaining, I can't find comics, I don't know, yo, comicology is still there, all these places are still there. I, I've opined that yeah, this has forced me to go digital a good three months before I wanted to. Like I, I, I made no secret that I was getting close to the end of physical collecting.
0: But no, well, hey. I, I heard,
6: I heard that they were stopped. Um, that digital comics were stopped. They were stopping shutting down digital comics too. That Marvel,
1: I
10: think. See, Marvel, not DC. What, Marvel, no, Marvel and DC both ran a game on this. Why? Because they feared that everybody's going to buy digital and then they won't buy the physical copies when it first came out. Now, here's the thing about Diamond. This is where Diamond screwed everybody. Diamond in their warehouse has three weeks' worth of comics. So they could have given us the next edition of new comics last week, this week, and next week, all right, without problem, because they always get three three weeks ahead. So three weeks of books are in their, their purview. They chose not to do it because they didn't want to bring anybody in. Now, if they would have just given retail, uh, retailers a heads up on it, have them plan saying, okay, this will be the last day for physical books, because number, we're all thinking, at least for last week, this is going to be one of the last times we're going to get it. And then the Tuesday night before the books come in, oh, we're not giving out books. How do you do a Tuesday night? So like a quarter of people before Marvel and DC were, uh, realized what was happening and pulled their digital stuff from comiXology and uh, their digital platform, you know, like some people got to see what the books were last week, but a majority of comic book fans didn't. So people in the middle of storylines and stuff are hating on that, (laughs) you know, and Diamond hurt themselves. If Diamond came out in the beginning of the week and said, all right, we are not going to do this. We are not going to ship at all. All right. We're going to just wait to see how the market is. We're going to just put a hold on it. We're not going to charge retailers for this week's book, you know, just if they tried to do that, it would have been better. But doing it right at the that blew the market up. That that was that was that was akin to Donald Trump saying, Oh, this this virus thing, oh, it's overblown. Fake news, fake news. And then the the and two two press conferences they go, everybody get a mask. Everybody wear gloves. But still we want to reopen everything in the middle of April. That's what this was. Because now your monopoly has hurt the, the market for the mainstream comics. And then Marvel and DC compounded on that by pulling all the digital. So now you pissed off the new fans. You done pissed off the old fans because a lot of the old fans weren't going over the digital yet. And now you pissed off the new fans too because the new fan was already converted to digital. <laughs> You know, so so that's that's where they got caught. That's where they got caught in the middle. All right. As far as movies go, it was only uh, it was always leaning that way. All right. I will say this: AMC was already converting a lot of their theaters by taking out uh, a lot, a majority of the seats to give uh, a better experience for uh, theater goers and all of that. But this. It took all the seats down to zero, <laughs> you know. So, so hey, I think everybody's going to follow the Netflix model now, a little bit, you know. Where here it is, Here's the movie. It's going to be limited time in certain select theaters, and then it'll be streaming in your home for fourteen ninety
0: nine. You know,
10: I could easily see that.
1: Hold on, so to- on let lem- Okay. Let, me go to, let me go to Sergio quickly to get his opinion on where he thinks things are going to go from a pop culture standpoint. Uh, Dallas, from one end of the spectrum, let's go to the other side of the spectrum. Um, Sergio, any thoughts about, you, know, you, you wanted to address AMC theaters. I mean, that's like big news where they, they think that they're going to, uh, you know, file bankruptcy because of the situation. What are your thoughts about that?
7: Yeah, they probably will, but it's all an okey-doke. Basically, what happens, AMC Theatres is deep in the hole. They're about $5 billion in the hole. They've been, they've been in the hole for some time. Um, and they're only supposedly worth about $330 million. So this is a nice excuse to restructure the whole chain. It'll still be in business. They can still operate under ch- uh, Chapter 11. They have to just unload a lot of debt. Like about a couple years ago they brought a theater chain called Carmike Theatres which oh. are essentially those one dollar theaters and they spent a billion, billion and a half to buy it and they made no money on it. It's a it's a it's a huge loss. It was a bad mistake. They gotta unload it. Which is what um, they're gonna do. Hey, um Roger,
10: you said five billion?
7: yeah the five billion in the whole, yeah yeah the five billion in debt they've been they've been five billion in debt for quite a while, so all of this they're just and the other thing they're doing is they're going to use this as an excuse where they're already doing this uh a lot of the a m c theaters of course, are in shopping malls, and the, they they don't own the property that the theater is in, and what they're already doing is using it as an excuse not to pay rent. Which is another oh. thing, which is they're getting out of it. You know, they've already have sent out letters to property owners saying, "Well, you know, you won't be getting your your uh, rent money, you know, this month because of this whole thing. We had to shut down. So it's all a big, as uh, Tariq Nasheed would say, a finesse. It's an okie doke. They're not going out of business. Um, but there have been movie chains before to have gone out of business. Uh, like the Lowe's chain and United Artists chain. They've been changed like that in the past. But they're the biggest, and uh, they'll be around. They'll just be restructured differently. In terms of movies, well, since, most, since the studios make most of their money from the middle of the year on down, they're still going to take a hit. But um, they'll get over it. They'll survive. You know, uh, Netflix has seen a small jump in viewership. But once again, with the exception of a few movies, the stuff Netflix shows is basically B-movie stuff, like Coffee and Kareem with Taraji P. Henson. It's B-movie stuff. A couple years ago, it's the kind of stuff you would have gotten um, a director video And before that, you would have seen as the TV movie of the week or something. So, um, Yes, things are disrupted right now. I do know that, according to NATO, I'm talking about the National Association of Theater Owners, uh, they're planning to start reopening theaters in June. There's still a lot of movies, June movies, I mean, a lot of summer movies coming out. There is, I was talking to someone the other day uh, about uh, Tenet, you know, the... um, the, uh, What's his name? Christopher Nolan's new movie, which is set to come out in late July. And... uh, (coughs) Sorry. And uh, theaters are really looking for that, and Warner Brothers has made a lot of 70-millimeter prints of that movie. You know, so theater owners are really banking on that picture, as long as other movies as well. They'll take a hit, but movies will still be around. It's just a disruption right now, and every... 20 years or so, there's always some kind of major disruption in the movie business, like when television first came out, and what well, really first became available to the public in the late 50s, or when the rating system came out in the late 60s, or when sound came out. There's always a disruption that happens, and movies still survive. So, there you go.
1: All right, um... I guess the only thing I'm concerned about is that I think it's a little bit more than a disruption. I mean, what you're saying is correct, but I think now we're talking about all different sectors, like across the board, all these different financial sectors, entertainment, uh, hell, even oil, you know, anything you can think of, commodities, all these different sectors are being adversely affected because this is a, you know, we're seeing like a purposeful shutdown of the economy, period. So you know my my issue is it's not just movie theaters look the comic book shop which is already on life support is going to have a problem uh to, to Daryl, you know, on a personal note have you heard anything from from uh from Donna and or Jeff those are th- these are personal retailers that we know uh, what's going Donna, on with them
0: Yes I,
10: I you know, she's taken in stride, you know a little frantic about it but Thing and uh, Jeff, I haven't talked to, so I I, I got to hit him up online and, and, and a couple. But I know, hey, hey, Midtown Comics closed. That's wow. all I need to know wait Midtown a minute, Comics, did Midtown. Did you say Midtown Comics? Midtown Comics, four locations closed, and uh, uh. they have, they they have enough books to free your ass. But they closed down. They're in hibernation. They're their thing. Freaking Jim Hanley's. <laughs> Forbidden Planet. <laughs> There's only a couple of shops I know in the area that are still open for curbside and pickup service. That's it. Well,
1: well, well when you say closed, I mean, look, most businesses that are not considered essential, like everything is closed.
0: So is, are you saying, like, closed
1: for I never know. to return? I mean, like, like the, clo- the the no, store no. itself is still there. They're just you just they just closed. Uh,
10: just, oh, they closed, closed temporarily. But, but but what but what I'm saying is, the are guys that have the back stock and the backlog, where they could have remained open with those services, mm-hmm. but they just went. You know what? Let's just let's keep it a buck. Let's let's just say. Uh-uh. Not going to expose the customers. Not going to expose our employees. Let's just shut it down. You know. So, and, so
1: wait a minute. And I, let me ask, ask this: What about the deal? I mean, I can only say uh, speak to New York, New York specifically. But what about the idea of like the the, the rents and the mortgages mortgages being suspended? Is that true or not true? Because like, I they're am still paying. It is true. I like, am hoping it is states, true. In Jeff's case, or even Donna's case I would hope that they're, they're not Like responsible for a mortgage When, I mean, there's just no way You can pay that There's well, just no that's, way,
8: for anyone that's, that's, yeah, sure. the, 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 the mortgage stuff Is coming down the pipe Like right now you're going to see the small business loans And things like that, people are going to have access to that money Like, I'm glad Sergio said something first Because Sergio's a little more sunshiny Than I am on stuff like this But like, really selling They're terrible movies. Netflix is selling engagement. We have X amount of users, and that's why they never cared about people sharing passwords and things like that because they use it to inflate the numbers about how many people use their product. But Uh all all discretionary spending is now, like, up for grabs, man. Like, there's going to be so many competing industries where people are just saying point blank period, okay, my entertainment dollar, which is a quarter of what I used to spend on entertainment, I'm going to have to make tough choices. So every industry is bracing for that and waiting on the next stimulus package to come to figure out how people are going to pay, you know, the rents, back bills, uh, fill orders, like how you how you transport your product to market. Like all of those things are up in question now. So this, this is not like a blip. This is not like some past, you know, some new technology came along and therefore you had to upgrade. No, you're, you're talking about 60% of GDP right now is the U.S. government. Yeah. well, first, up, first of all first, are in the
7: tank. well, first and, of all, I, I have heard uh, the death knell of the film industry for many years back in the early seventies, about seventy nineteen seventy nineteen seventy one the film mm-hmm. industry was doing so badly, and people were not going to movies that one theater chain in New York, I think it was called the cinema five chain. They started showing movies for free, just to get people in to see pictures. Everybody said I'm this cool. is the end. Right. You know, but movies still survive. Now, you know, once again, we cannot really predict the future, but I still think that films can survive. You know, uh, the film. You know, people like going to see movies still. You know, people still but, like the new experience. But, but Sergio, so I, mean, I
4: think hold on, hold on,
1: hold on now. Let me just make this point. I'll let you speak. The only the only difference in this case, though, is that you're making it seem as if the movie situation is is in its is unto itself in a vacuum. It's not in a vacuum, because yeah, I know that this is a, So what I'm saying is like really, yeah, I know
7: that.
1: Okay, but let think about what's happening to uh, performers in general, like uh, just just uh, comedians that go that are re- reliant are going to uh, comedy bars uh, or, or musicians that have to play before crowds or even smaller, smaller crowds. Like, that whole, that whole sector is gone. Like, people, people being reliant on uh, mass
7: groups. of I mean, that's, that, that's in question now. Like, everything well, is in okay. question. Okay, but first of all, first of all, what, like, you and I, we don't know, right? So are you telling me that nobody's going to come to see sports games anymore? It's no, going to no, take a no. while for it yeah, to come sure. back, you know? Right, but right, you're sure. telling me that sports are not going to come back anymore? You, you mean to tell me that, and you know, like, outdoor concerts are not going to happen anymore? You know, or just concerts in general? You know, know.
8: Sergio, I think that's the difference we're having here. You're taking our argument to the extreme and saying these things will not exist anymore. We're saying these things will exist in a different way, and nobody knows what that different way will be. Uh, Yeah, that's the the point. Nobody knows. Just just, just hold tight, hold tight. But, But we do know a little bit of things. So during the Great Recession and the Great Depression, typically it took for every one month where you were basically out, it took two months to get that kind of valuation back. And we're looking at something where it's probably going to be in that territory. So this is not something that's going to happen in the next six months, despite the rosy, you know, <clears throat> the rosy little memo uh, from 45. Like this is going to be a, a pretty tough punch that we're going to take on the chin. So what was it? The, the theaters, March 20th through 26th, they made $5,000 total. And then the, a year ago they made $100 million uh, total for that, you know, that particular week. Like, we're looking at a huge difference. So it's not saying that they're going to be dead. It's saying, okay, things are going to change in really drastic ways. We really don't know how. And as far as they're going to have to come up with some type of bio test to where they, people can prove, okay, I'm not a person who's afflicted by whatever pandemic or yep. whatever new virus or whatever we're dealing with in order to justify selling that person a ticket. Because the last thing you want to do is what? be the Boston Celtics of 2021 who had that game where people came and spread the disease and we had the pandemic. Like, nobody wants to be connected with that. And that's why you saw the NBA get out quickly. The MLB, is uh, they're damn near talking about playing in a biodome with no fans. Like, they're thinking of all kinds of drastic stuff. So I'm I'm not saying that any of this is never going to exist again. I'm just saying it's going to be really different. That's the thing we do know.
7: Well, first of all, the the idea of taking – The idea of taking people's temperature, that's already been banning about before. And I could probably see that coming. Number two, just like if we go through a metal detector at at events, then you know what? I guess now we won't have to have have a temperature taken. Also, there are talks about um, people through through some high-tech measures, they can actually survey people and check to see if they're infected with some disease or not or have a high temperature or not. It's going to get to that. It's going to be like um, if if you think it's bad already how we're being observed and watched all the time, it's going to be even more so after this.
10: Well, let me... Go ahead. ahead. Okay, go ahead. Just to let people know, okay? The, the biggest fear that these sports leagues had happened over the weekend. All right? I don't know if you guys heard about the New Orleans funeral that happened. A person died of the COVID. All right? The, the, the church allowed 10 people to attend a funeral, small gathering. Six of them got infected at that gathering. Four died. Imagine the sports league freaking doing that, that sport would be dead forever, all right? And the second thing is you brought up the stimulus thing. Folks out there, folks listening, I can only implore you here, be smart, okay? This check ain't for you to go out and buy TV. This check ain't for you to go out and buy video games. A little respect, a little smartness, folks. Okay? By the People way, get... are going crazy over this. Just think about your family. Think about surviving. You've got to make this money last because this ain't going anywhere anytime soon. Unlike me, i got to pop out the side door. But, guys, good luck
7: with the rest of the broadcast.
1: Sounds good, man. Nice to hear from you, man. appreciate it. Stay safe. Stay safe. All
7: right. By the way, okay, by the way can I add something following up on what Captain said about the numbers? There was an article Monday. In the Daily Beast, that two years ago, from January 2018 to March 2018, there was actually a flu epidemic in New York City. The hospitals were being overburdened. It's the exact same thing that's going on today in New York City. And I'm like, I read this thing, and I go like, how can we didn't know about this? I never heard about this. It's the same thing. And this happened just two years ago, but this was a flu virus. And I was like, well, wait a minute. If this happened two years ago, how come your wonderful mayor, you know, Bill de Blasio, the one who's married to that lesbian black wife, and oh. all these people, or Cuomo, who everybody thinks should be running for president, how come you didn't prepare for this because it, was going to, because it could have happened again, which it now is happening? But this happened two years ago. But I did—you didn't hear anything about it, even in the article. They're quoted that the press really didn't report anything about the disaster. Somebody called. Somebody said in the article it was uh, a near-death experience for hospitals in New York City, and this is just two years ago.
8: Yeah, but I think I think the point, point Apple made you're... earlier? I think the point that Apple made earlier about. There not being a vaccine kind of shows that we're talking about two different ballparks. Like I understand, there really like isn't a vaccine a, for a flu either. Yeah, that, that was a there bad really event. Isn't. That, well, sir, okay. <laughs> that was a bad event. And I'm sure some local, uh, you know, local guys covered it. But for something like that to take on national press, it would have to be, you know, just a drastic event and all the things culminating like this one, man. Uh the press, who is funded by ad money and funded by the people who were usually criticized that multi-billionaire 1% group, uh, they're not in the business of losing money. Like, they're not creating hysteria to set money on fire. Like, at a certain point, man, some of these conspiracies just start to break apart when you look at it in total and say, okay, do you think Adam Silver's a moron? Do you think he decided, you know what, I'm going to make sure the NBA owners don't make any money? Like, dude, yeah, see. this is a big deal. Yeah, I have deal. to agree
1: with that. And you know something else, Nas. you know something else, when you mention this is not in the same ballpark, uh, yeah, because they're literally looking for ballparks to bury people. I don't remember, I don't, rec- I don't <laughs> recollect there being that kind of ur- sense of urgency for, the, for influenza. I mean, we're literally at the point in New York City looking for kind of unique places to, to bury people. They have uh, makeshift, army-created morgues in Central Park. I did not
7: see that with the flu. This is something different. Yeah, well, I, I, how come we're not having this kind of situation in the hospitals here in Chicago? We're not. How come we're not having that kind of situation? I haven't heard about anything similar in Los Angeles, which is, I think, is a, I think Los Angeles is not the second largest city in the United States. Uh, what's going on in Houston? Well, look,
1: New York uniquely. New York uniquely is a global hub. I think it was like half a million folks coming out of China within the last couple of uh, weeks, or let's say within two months, half a million people were were exported from China to coming into New York proper. So, I mean, mean, New York is just a unique, unique global hub. that that Everyone comes to New York. That's just what it is. Let's get back. America, D.C. Just, just,
8: just real, real quick, Bison, can I do this before you do it? Just real quick. There were two, there were two uh, different you know, trains of thought on this. Uh, England, they took the idea from this college over there who had, looks like they had some good numbers, and their idea was the herd mentality, let people get infected, eventually we'll Heard develop the immunity, we'll develop, a, you know, we'll develop a response to this, and we'll be okay. What ended up happening is their health system got overwhelmed, Uh, The man Mm -hmm. who was telling them that everything will be all right and, you know, don't worry about it, got infected, the prime minister, Boris Johnson. Here in America, even though we started late, we started social distancing and we started isolating, which what? Flattened the curve a bit, which brought down how drastic this could have been. So what, what we're actually doing right now is actually improving things. So we can't go by the, you know, more improved technique and then get better results and then say, well, oh, well, where are the disastrous results? Well, it's because of what we're doing right now.
7: Right. Can I ask you a question? Where do you live? <laughs> no, no, no. Well, hold on, he's
1: in, he's in Georgia. But hold on, sir. Hold on. Serge. Hold yeah, on. Let me let let me it's let me brand, just mention yeah. two things because so I, I, I want to bring in Bison. I want to bring in Bison, I want to bring in Bison. But before we get to Bison, let me do my due diligence quickly. I got to do it because it, it's just not it's just not right not to do this. Two acknowledgments. Two icons have left the building. Amazingly, not from COVID because that's another element. Is that we're also hearing. Iconic figures leaving the scene with the COVID virus. Um, uh, you know, I just I just recollect. Uh, we did did we mention? I don't think we even mentioned um, uh, the jazz the jazz family. Uh, Marsalis, see, the senior Marsalis passed on. Um, that's one person I, I failed to mention. But for the for the moment, this week we had Earl Gray Senior and Bill Withers. Uh, Earl Gray's, you know, as the publisher of Black Enterprise. And when you go into his story, it's quite exemplary. I mean, again, uh, you know, as Bison knows just more in- as intimately as I do, this whole HBCU versus state colleges versus uh, Ivy League colleges, well, HBCUs to us colloquially have been called Black Ivies. Uh, uh, Mr. S- Mr. Gray's is a graduate of Morgan <laughs> Morgan State So you know we, we have to be mindful Of his story because I, From what I've read somewhere He was able to get like a $200,000 loan uh, To start Black Enterprise And then within the year He was already he was already In the black as far as profit Um it's an amazing individual I know that his son that shares his namesake Um I know that he's he's part of the business as well, and he's just he was a he's a phenomenal entrepreneur, and and look, Black Enterprise really put Black entrepreneurship on the map. It actually put put it in the public sphere to let people uh, globally know that Black people do exist in the economic space. So we need to lean in on Black Enterprise the way that we did not lean in on Ebony Magazine. You know, we talk about the loss of Ebony Magazine. Well, you know, black enterprise is another mountain that black folks need to, need to maintain. I haven't heard anything negative about black, about black enterprise. But uh, imagine, you know, th- the fact that Ebony, we lost Ebony is unconscionable. And I would hate to hear the same thing about, uh, about black, black enterprise. Uh, also, just to mention it quickly, and I'll probably have to revisit this on Sunday, uh, on Monday, uh, Bill Withers You know, Bill Withers, as I said said at the top of the show, many of us grew up on Bill Withers' music. Um, Grandma's Hands, Lean On Me, uh, Lovely Day. I have kind of a personal connection to Lovely Day because Lovely Day was a song that was covered by an ex-girlfriend of mine. Um, uh, She was a part of a group, and that song was... Now the group evades me, but the the song was covered on the... um, The Bodyguard soundtrack. So, you know, and Love A's been covered by many, many individuals, but just the two of us. I mean, he's like a, uh, just, just a phenomenal musician. Uh, As I said also at the top of the show, he's worked with so many different acts. But I grew up with the Jazz Crusaders, later named the Crusaders. And he's done work with them. But to revisit his music, and I've always loved Bill Werther's music, but to revisit it, you start to really see, wow, we don't have people that can do that anymore. <laughs> not really. Just by, by himself. Kind of a folksy, a folksy southern jazz soul singer. And they're not really making that. Not, they're not making that kind of person anymore. I love Anderson Pack. I repeat, I love Anderson Pack, but he's no Bill Withers. <laughs> I'm going to be straight with you. He's not. So when we, when we lose these people, it's going to be hard to replicate them. You know, we might get a shadow of them in the future. We might. I hope we get a shadow of an Earl Graves or a Bill Withers. But will we see them of their likes again? I don't think so. Anyway, let me bring in Bison, and then we'll, we'll close out. Bison, what's up, man? How are you? Health-wise and
9: everything. How's the family? Everything is good. Thank you. Um, I guess I came into the top of the hour, so I'll just keep it um, short. One, Bill Withers was one of the few artists who did it his way. He came in, recorded his music, and left. Didn't come back no matter how much money they threw at him to do a nostalgia tour. So he has to be highly commended for that. But there's something else. And eventually it's going to probably bubble to the surface, but I'll talk to you about that offline. I'll, I'm going to just say two, word, two letters, DV, letters, I'm going to leave it alone. Um, I, I didn't hear most of the show what I heard a little bit was a little disturbing. Um, You know, some of these conspiracy theories, you know, is a little off-putting when you can't even have a funeral in New York City. And, you know, you can't argue with data. You can't argue with stats. And the stats are this disease is killing a lot of people fast. And it's almost tripling every three days. The reason it's not the same everywhere is because pattern of travel across the nation. and Also, some areas have done social distancing, seeing more to success than others. You know, about six days ago, Louisiana thought they were in the clear. Look what's going on now. And you don't see the same patterns repeated throughout the South. And that's the thing I'm fearful of. I mean, I'm sure people saw the pictures here in D.C. I mean, people thought it was homecoming. They got buying crab legs and acting like nothing's going on. But Of course, the numbers are spiking up. So I think jurisdictions going to have to take more drastic measures to keep people inside. And I'm I'm glad to see that some stores are having, um, you know, they're going to make people wait outside because we're losing a lot of people. Literally every day in D.C. they're doing like a rundown of police and store workers and people dying every day. So I'll end with that because I guess you're going to end at the top of the hour.
1: Yeah, we're we're ending up at about 2 minutes. Let me just uh remind folks of, some, of something. You know, New York is just a densely populated area. New York is not like a Virginia, certain towns of Virginia. We have a family residence my my um my grandmother who has passed on uh many years ago and um our family my my um you know, my my family lives, still maintains the house down there. But when you think of this is the Covington, Virginia area, this is by by West Virginia, you know, it's, uh, West Virginia, very mountainous. People live, you know, a distance from each other. You, you know, you have to walk to somebody's house. Uh, it's, just, it's just not – the terrain is, is just radically different than, let's say, Brooklyn, New York, where people are literally on top of each other. Uh, not that people aren't getting it in some of these places, but some of these places, you know, we're, we're talking about where my, where my grandmother lived. You know, there's there's empty Victorians around there. You know empty victorian houses uh no one's around you know it's like it's, it's literally like uh like Maybury. you know it's picturesque, nothing's going on. people put, many of my na- my uh, relatives, they went to d c where the action's at. they went to detroit, they went to they went to Atlanta. you know th- these cities don't operate the same way. As these smaller towns, you might see the return of a small town, the return of suburbia because of what's going on now. Now it's not so cool to be, you know, a, 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 uh, a hipster in these places now. People may be rethinking this, this stuff. Anyway, gentlemen, I'm going to close shop. We did a short, shorter show. Um, we'll be back again in a few days. We'll probably be probably revisiting this. Uh, we appreciate the support. Be safe. Wear your mask. Wear your gloves. Be intelligent. Be skeptical. I agree with Captain. I think you do have to be skeptical. Uh, the media, look, the media did present Italy, uh, uh, Italy, Italy footage as if it were New York. So it's not like the media that they're not up to shenanigans. I'm just saying. Anyway, we're gonna go out with some more Bill Withers, and this is better off dead. <laughs> Not a good way to go, but that's what it's called. Better Off Dead Bill Withers. We'll be back on Monday. It's been real. Appreciate it.
0: She couldn't stand me anymore. So she just took the kids and went. You see, I've got a drinking problem. All the money that we have. Now I must die by my own hand Cause I'm not man enough to live alone Hey, hey, she's better off without me And I'm better off dead now that she's gone To have the priest come to our home and I cried and prayed and promised that I'd leave the cup alone. Now I must see what I can't face. I hope she finds the tears a heaven. She songs. She used to call.